When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 233 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are doing a rapid fire round in which I am answering 5.5 questions. And I say 5.5 because one listener wrote in with two questions. So five and a half questions that you wrote to me about, I'm answering them on this rapid fire episode. Now, I'm sure you're wondering to yourself, do I want to buckle up and join Stephanie on this roller coaster rapid fire round? And I say, heck yes, you do, because these questions are good. We have a decluttering during COVID question. We have a couple questions about plastic. We have a recycling question, and the fun goes on and on, my friends. Let's just jump right into question number one. Dana wrote to me, and she wrote, which is the better environmental choice? Organic but wrapped in plastic, or non-organic but plastic-free? Well, Dana, okay, this is a real conundrum, and it's one that most of us face at one time or another. And so I do have some thoughts. Just so we're on the same page, organic produce is important from an environmental perspective because it preserves soil integrity. It doesn't use those synthetic pesticides, herbicides, or insecticides that are pollutants. And for me personally, I believe organic is healthier for myself and for my family. And so whenever funds allow, I do try to invest in the organic produce. Now, plastic-free produce or naked produce, as I like to call it, because it's funny, naked, I like to say naked, it doesn't come with the single-use plastic issue, right? Single-use plastics are known for polluting our oceans, breaking up into microplastics, getting eaten by animals moving up the food chain, et cetera, et cetera. Let's remember that plastic packaging extends the life of food items, and that's why supermarkets rely on it. Nobody wants apples. That Apples might not be a great example because apples tend to last a long time. Nobody wants cherries, let's say, that are all spoiled before they arrive in our kitchen. Food waste is not benign, and so in some ways, in some weird ways, plastic benefits us as consumers of fruits and vegetables. But one piece of really critical information that you did not mention in your email, and I say it's critical because I don't know if I can direct you in a certain way without this information, but I'm wondering, do you have access to any locally grown produce options? Locally grown produce, whether it's organic or not, often comes without the plastic packaging because it's indeed local. It doesn't have to sit on a truck for days. 
Local produce, especially if you buy it from a local farm, is often harvested. And then in your home within a day or two, there's no plastic needed in that case. Farm to literal table. (laughs) The problem, of course, is food deserts. Local organic produce may simply not be available in your locale. It is not available everywhere. And if that sounds like your situation, Dana, then this is a moot point. But if you do have a local farm, perhaps even that farm offers a local CSA program, I strongly suggest you join if your finances allow. If not, no worries. We're not going to fret over what we can't control here at Sustainable Minimalists. But if you have local options, I say prioritize the local and organic options first followed by the local and inorganic options second. If your only options are indeed the big supermarket, and so local isn't an option, I suggest you first recenter yourself around your heart-first values. So what's more important to you personally? Supporting the organic movement and feeding your family pesticide-free food or reducing plastic waste? Ask yourself that question and Put your money in places that support your values. I would also ask you to consider the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. Uh, Maybe you've heard of the Dirty Dozen before. Maybe you haven't, but it is a list of 12 foods that the Environmental Working Group puts out. The 12 foods on the list are deemed to contain the most pesticides. So maybe you buy the Dirty Dozen items organic every single time and you just choose to ignore the plastic packaging problem because you're providing your family with healthy food and that's important to you. So I'm not going to read the Dirty Dozen list for 2021. I will link to it in the show notes, but items like strawberries, spinach, grapes, peaches, tomatoes, those items are on the Dirty Dozen list, which as a reminder means that these items, these 12 items, tend to contain the most pesticides of all fruits and vegetables. And then by contrast, there's the Clean 15, which is a list of the fruits and vegetables that tend to contain the lowest concentration of pesticides in the United States, even when they're grown with pesticides. So for these items, perhaps you feel okay with buying conventional, so pesticide sprayed, but plastic free. Some items on this list include avocados, kiwis, eggplants, mushrooms, pineapple. Again, I will link to the Clean 15 in this week's show notes. One more quick tip for you, Dana. I've talked a long time about your question, but in my house, I view produce as a delicacy, right? So if I'm going to the grocery store on Sunday, we are going to eat an awful lot of fresh produce on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because I don't want it to go bad. That means that by Thursday or Friday or definitely Saturday, there's no more fresh fruit in the house. There's very few vegetables, if any, left over. And that's okay, in my opinion, because we ate it all. So maybe you do the same, just a thought there. Okay, so that's question one. We're going to go into right into question two. Question two is a decluttering question, and it comes from Sophie. Sophie left me a DM on Instagram, and Sophie says, which categories of things in our homes should we perhaps hold off on decluttering during COVID and lockdown? There are so many things we are not using at the moment. But is that just because our lifestyles are so constricted right now? Great question, Sophie. I should say, you know, COVID has drastically changed the way we live our lives. And it has also drastically changed the ways in which we 
find fun and entertainment. So perhaps there are huge categories of items in your house. Let's say perhaps you're not using the volleyball net because you're not having friends over to have a roaring game of volleyball. So there are things you're not using, but that doesn't mean perhaps that you're never going to use it. I would say instead of racking your brain and stressing yourself though, thinking about, well, am I ever going to use this again or not? I suggest instead you reframe your question. Think less about what you shouldn't donate and instead turn the question around. What can you donate right now that you no longer need because it is the absolute perfect time to donate this item? I always like to think about the next season, what's just around the bend, and donate those items right now. When you get in this habit, you're anticipating a need, and when you are filling an anticipated need, your donations are more likely to be picked up and loved on. So what's right around the corner? Of course, Christmas, the holidays. So if you have excessive holiday decorations, gift bags, gift wrap, tree lights, anything related to the holidays... Now is the perfect time to put them up in your local buy nothing group. I'm willing to bet they will be snatched immediately. Also, here in New England, we have a long winter ahead of us. So what's right around the bend? The winter gear. So winter boots that don't fit. Kids' old snow pants. Coats for coat drives. Coat drives by me are a dime a dozen. There are so many coat drives going on now. So now is the time for me to declutter the excess coats. Toy drives are also a dime a dozen right now. Do you have any new toys that your children never played with that you could donate to a toy drive? Or there are even toy drives for gently used items. Can you find all the pieces to that block set and donate it if you're no longer playing with that? I like taking this question and flipping it on its head because if you start thinking about all the items in your house that you're no longer using because it's covid you might get really overwhelmed. So instead of thinking about a whole household's worth of items to potentially declutter, just look at what's right around the bend. So holidays, Christmas, toys, coats, (laughs) winter stuff. And then once you get through that area, well, guess what? There's a whole nother season coming around the bend, which is, of course, spring and spring cleaning. So Sophie, those are my best tips for you. I hope it helps. And we're gonna go right on to question number three. Question number three came in as a response to an Instagram story I did a couple weeks ago. I do not know your name, kind contributor, but you asked me, should we even bother recycling anymore when so little is actually recycled? As a quick reminder, in the United States currently, only 9% of plastics actually get recycled. So what that means is that if you put 100 plastic items in your recycle bin, Only nine of them will get recycled. 91 of them will get sent straight to the landfill. Glass and aluminum do have slightly higher recycling rates, but not much higher. And so this question really touches on a big problem, which is that recycling rates on the whole are going down. They're falling every single year. 2019, the U.S. recycling rate was 34% total. And now in 2021, it's down to 32.1%. Your question, should we even bother recycling anymore when so little is actually recycled? I say yes, we should still recycle because recycling isn't all that hard. 
Recycling should not and does not put unnecessary burdens on us, right? And also, because it's not that hard and not that time-consuming, recycling is not taking you away from putting your best efforts elsewhere. So continue recycling, but do so with a few gentle reminders. Number one, make sure you're recycling correctly. There is absolutely no substitute in the world for heading to your municipality's website reading your recycling guidelines and following them to the letter. So if your municipality does not accept number six plastics, don't put number six plastics in the recycle bin. Reminder number two, wash out your recyclables. There is no place on earth where you, if you put your plastic shampoo bottle with shampoo still in it, there's no place on earth where that shampoo bottle is actually going to get recycled. You have to wash it out first. That goes with any container. And number three, third friendly reminder, the goal is not to become an expert recycler. The goal is not to recycle better. The goal is to bring home less recycling in the first place. So make sure the lion's share of your effort is on taking home less plastic, taking home less aluminum, and when you do bring it home, reuse it. But make sure the lion's share of your effort is bringing home less to begin with. We're going to answer questions four. 4.5 and 5 after a quick word from this week's sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back. Thank you for tuning into this rapid fire episode. We're on to question four and 4.5. This comes from Jessica. Jessica sent me an email and she has a two-part question and the both parts are not at all related to one another. So part one, force of nature products. Do you have an opinion on this product? Is it safe? 
And then question number two from Jessica is, do you have any ideas on what you can do with orange medicine bottles? We get three a month and I hate to throw them away. Okay, so let's take the force of nature question first. If you don't know what force of nature is, everybody, I suggest you look it up. It is a system in which on your counter you make home cleansers. There's a machine, I think it's more better called an electrolyzer. There are plastic capsules, you're making it on your kitchen, you're using it, and then next time you need to make more, you make it again. Force of Nature markets itself as a natural cleanser that's EPA approved to fight COVID-19. Force of Nature's website says it cleans and disinfects without all those scary chemicals. So if you're interested in creating a non-toxic home, this could sound like a really great product for you. Now, I do not use Force of Nature, so my opinions, I should say, Jessica, are just based on my online research. And first and foremost, I should say that, yes, the ingredient list does appear to be quite clean. There are only three ingredients in this product. However, for me personally as a consumer, it all seems very complicated. There's, of course, the machine. There's the fact that you have to make the solution at home. There's a 14-day expiration date on the solution that you're making at home, so you can't just store it indefinitely under the counter. The biggest problem for me, the biggest red flag, is that it comes with these flimsy plastic bottles and all those capsules that you use before you put them in the electrolyzer to make the solution. That's also an awful lot of plastic. So while I applaud Force of Nature for having a toxin-free three-ingredient-only cleanser, I really worry and wonder why on earth they're using so much single-use plastic in their product. So those are my thoughts, Jessica. If you choose to go with Force of Nature, just know it's not cheap. It's $69 just for the starter set, and then you have to continue buying the capsules to continue making the cleanser. But if you go for it, let me know. I'd love to hear your personal thoughts. Would you recommend Force of Nature or would you not? Now, as for your second question with regard to prescription pill bottles, yes, those are made of number five plastic, aka polypropylene. It is recyclable in a lot of places. However, because they're small, a lot of times these pill bottles get missed by recycling sorting machines and then they just go to the landfill. I suggest your first step, Jessica, is to ask wherever your pharmacy, wherever you get these pills, do they have a pill recycling program? See what they say. A lot of places do take pill bottles back. Just make sure before giving them back, you remove the label, get rid of any identifying information on the bottle. That would be my step one. If my pharmacy was no help, I would then wait till I had a big stash. I would then put them up on Buy Nothing Group. I'm sure somebody could use these amazing bottles with the kid-proof lid. That would be step two for me. Step three would be looking into an independent recycler such as TerraCycle. And then finally, step four for me is to reuse them in my own house. So pill bottles are a great size for holding bobby pins, tacks, change. How how great would it be to have a pill bottle worth of quarters in your car for those times when you are at a meter and have no change, right? Sewing needles, Reusing is always just as good, if not better, than recycling, so those are my thoughts for you. All right, we are on to our final question, and this question comes from Sarah. Sarah wants to know about storing fresh vegetables without plastic. 
Sarah says, quote, I purchased reusable cotton produce bags, but have noticed that my produce is often limp by the end of the week, and therefore I'm making food waste by not using plastic. What tips do you have for storing things like kale, carrots, and broccoli without plastic? Well, Sarah, great question. I love how your question brings us right back around. We're going full circle here because Dana had a question about produce and so do you. So let's start here. Let's start with talking again about how plastic does have a purpose in keeping food, especially produce, lasting longer. But I do believe that the single-use plastic industry has tricked us into believing it's impossible to store food without plastic. The reality is that humans have been storing food without plastic for centuries. We've done just fine without plastic up until the 60s, and we can continue to do just fine without it. It's just about getting creative with your food storage practices, in your case, in your refrigerator, but also in your pantry and also in your freezer. Now, I should also say here too, well, I should say two things. First is the cotton produce bags are great for bringing food home from the supermarket and not taking one of those flimsy plastic bags that are just completely pointless. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't suggest you store your food in those cotton bags after you get home. I would remove the food and store them in a way I'm about to tell you in a minute. So don't store your food in those reusable bags. The second little piece of advice, or it's not even advice, it's a reminder. The second reminder I want to give you is that a lot of people are concerned about storing food in plastic because certain chemicals in plastic, like phthalates and like BPA, leach out of those plastic bags and containers and into foods and beverages. And while leach doses may likely be low if you're keeping your broccoli, let's say, in the crisper in a plastic bag, research does state that exposure to low doses of BPA and phthalates over the long term, so over a life, let's say, are linked to metabolic disorders like obesity and reduced fertility. Uh, One more fact, a fact to the fact, is that fatty foods like meats and cheeses are more prone to absorption of such chemicals. So if you're fine with storing your produce in plastic, that's that's a personal choice. But really think long and hard about whether you're going to store cheeses and meats in plastic. So just a thought. And if you're pregnant, Definitely take a second and third look at that decision because pregnant women and fetuses are at higher risk for such chemical absorption. Okay, off my soapbox and answering your question, Sarah. You want to know how to store produce without plastic. Well, I'm going to say right off the bat that what I'm going to tell you right now is straight from my book. I'm going to be reading a page in my book verbatim to you. And so I would be remiss in saying for all of you who have not checked out my book, Sustainable Minimalism, maybe you go on with your bad self and do it. So you asked specifically about kale, carrots, and broccoli. For broccoli, I store broccoli in an open glass container in the fridge. I do not put the lid on it. I store it straight in the crisper, no lid. Kale and carrots go straight in my crisper. They lay on a tea towel. They're not wrapped up. They're just laying on a tea towel in the crisper, door closed. For carrots, I personally just store them straight in the crisper. They last a long time. It's a root vegetable. Sometimes they get a little bit soft, but they're still perfectly edible. But I'm talking weeks carrots stay in my crisper without any packaging. However, if that doesn't work for you, you can store carrots in a bowl of cold water in the fridge and and they will last even longer. Kale, again, doesn't last as long, but 
if you're buying kale, I go back to my suggestion that I gave to Dana, which is if you're buying fresh produce, put that on your Monday dinner list, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday night. Don't wait till Friday, Saturday to go on and eat that stuff. So salad greens, if you're buying salad greens loose without a container, put them on a towel, roll them up, store them in the crisper. If you have eggplant or cabbage, put them in the crisper without packaging. Put peas and beans on a damp towel, then fold up the towel, put that in the crisper. Avocados, strawberries, figs, and other berries should be stored in a paper bag. But again, check those often. Strawberries, figs, and all berries are notorious for going bad quickly. Beets and Brussels sprouts and cucumbers and green beans, those go in open glass containers similar to the broccoli. Herbs and cherries go in closed glass containers in the fridge. And finally, items like corn and cut melon, you can put those in open glass containers. Okay, so I hope I gave you all some real great thoughts on this rapid fire round in which we went on a roller coaster covering so many unrelated topics, but I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Before we say goodbye, I want to tell you all that I'm going now into my fifth year of podcasting, and the longer I do this, the longer I really want to know all of you a little bit more. (laughs) Podcasting can be lonely because I'm sitting in a closet in my basement by myself, and I'm talking to myself, essentially. I'm actually talking to myself and recording it. I know you all are listening, but the conversation can feel very one-sided, right? As in all (laughs) me-sided. And I want to hear from all of you more because I've learned that I'm not the expert. I'm learning from all of you as much as I hope you're learning from me and my experience. The power that we're generating comes from the community. So I want to give back a little bit and I want to talk to you all. There's a new app that I've been using and loving. It's called Wisdom. Wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M. And I'm going to do my talk on wisdom because wisdom is kind of like a TED Talk, but with audience participation. So I'm going to do my talk and you all can come on and answer your questions. I was on Clubhouse for a little bit, but Clubhouse was an awful lot of fighting in my personal experience. So I'm going with wisdom for now. You can just download the app for free and join me. We're going to do a little chat on Tuesday, December 14th. That's next week at noon. We're going to discuss eco-minimalism during the holidays. I'll give you my best thoughts, my best tips, and then there will be an opportunity for all of you to come on, ask your questions. I'm not going to see your face. I'm just going to hear your voice. You can come on. You can ask your questions. You can give your best tips. Like, How do you practice eco-minimalism despite the holiday season? I'd love to know, and we're just going to have a lovely holiday gathering amongst like-minded, sustainable minimalists. So I really hope you can join me Tuesday, December 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern. So if you're not not living on the eastern seaboard of the United States, you're going to have to do some time magic, some time math, if you will. But Tuesday, December 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern. More details on this are in this week's show notes. So I will see you on Tuesday for our regularly scheduled interview. See you then and take care.